2: Upgun
3: Frequency
4: Gallen Camps present Pat Novak for hire. Cinderella
5: lost a shoe and so she got a maid. The modern miss has learned from this In Gallon Camp
4: Shoe Raid Four miles to a Gallon Camp Yes, Gallon Camps, the family shoe stores with the yellow fronts The largest shoe chain in the West With stores from Canada to Mexico to serve the West G-A-L-L-E-N-K-A-M-P-S Gallon Camps present Pat Novak for Hire
6: Sure. I'm Pat Novak. For hire. That's what the sign out in front of my office says. Pat Novak. For hire. Down on the waterfront in San Francisco, you don't get prizes for being subtle. If you want to make a living down here, you got to get your hand in the till any way you can. You rob Peter to pay Paul, and then you put it on the cuff. It's a happy life if you don't mind looking up at a headstone because sooner or later you draw trouble a size too big. I found that out Tuesday night. It was about 11 o'clock when I came out of the office and I started down the waterfront. It was raining and the street was as deserted as a warm bottle of beer. As I got near the corner, an old man stepped out of the darkness and started across the street. It was a short trip because a car started up down the street and the old man couldn't have made it with a pocket full of aces. <laughs> While well, I started over to him, the car slowed down for a moment and then turned the corner and disappeared. As it passed under the streetlight, I caught a glimpse of the license plate in a dull, surprised way, the way you'd grab a feather out of an angel's wing. I bent over the old man and I rolled him on his back, He was breathing hard as I cushioned his head.
0: Please help me. Can you please help me?
6: Well, that's a big order, mister.
0: Huh. I must talk to you.
6: Well, if you got any good quotes, you better get them off your chest fast.
0: My pocket. Inside my pocket. Please put your hand. In here? Yeah.
6: Sure. Two envelopes. What about them?
0: One is money for you. You have the other one. So far. So the other one, please keep sealed. And you will give it to... Her. John, St. John.
6: John, St. John?
0: Yeah.
6: Well, where does he live?
0: You don't understand. It's not... I want to tell you. You don't understand.
6: Well, he was right on that one. I didn't understand a thing except he slipped out of my arms and stopped paying taxes. I dragged him over to the side and I went through his stuff. There was nothing there, no identification, just a card with an address on the other side of town. I opened the envelope and $300 tumbled into my breast pocket. The other one was sealed. There was no name on it, but up in the corner there was some kind of marking. It looked like two crosses spliced together. There wasn't anything I could do for him except pray, and I owe some back dues. So I went over to my office and called police headquarters. I told him where the old man was, and then I checked in the phone book. There was no John St. John listed. Well, so I looked up the only honest guy I know, an ex-doctor and a boozer by the name of Jocko Madigan, a good guy... But to him, a hangover is the price of being sober. I finally found him singing in a Mason Street bar.
7: Dinky, dinky, dobbish, dinky, dinky, day. Jocko, Jocko, show. I want to talk to you. Ah, Patsy, you're just in time for the counterpoint. I'm singing a song, a little sentimental thing from my childhood. It'll keep. I got a problem, Jocko. You'll always have a problem, Patsy, because you can't keep out of trouble. You know that, don't you? You have no self-control. Yeah, all right, Jocko. You all have right. no more self-control than a bucket of mercury dumped in a marble staircase. All right, Jocko, check the bright talk.
6: I just saw a guy get killed.
7: Uh, you're like some violent disorder in nature, some large but unprofitable storm. You yeah. keep whirling in circles, Patsy. And if you ever go more than ten feet in one direction, it's because some woman is nine feet away. Then yeah. it begins all over again. Are you all through? Yes, get to the point. That's another of your troubles. You never get to the point.
6: Some old guy was killed down on the Embarcadero. He checked out 50 feet away from me.
7: Who killed him? I don't know. And why do you care? Professional
6: jealousy? Some car came out of nowhere and clipped him. You're sure it wasn't an accident? Yeah, just like the fall of France. Will you stop to me, Jocko? I told you the guy got killed. He was murdered right in front of me. I got to find a guy called John St. John.
7: How St. John? John
6: St. John. I don't feel like vaudeville tonight, night, Jocko. The old man gave me $300 to deliver a letter. I made him a promise.
7: Well, you can break it now with only the slightest risk.
6: I got the license number of the car. I want you to hop down and look it up. Then check at headquarters to see if the guy's got a record.
7: I don't like policemen. They depress me.
6: Check it. I got to go out here to this address. Here. Uh-huh. Well, what kind of neighborhood is it?
7: Well, it's not exactly a neighborhood. It's more like an architectural afterthought, a lingering defense against the early California Bay. All
6: right, all right, no speeches. Just check on that license plate. Now, if I'm not at my place, try this address
7: here. Yes, that's always very interesting at this time of night. Well, goodbye, lover.
6: Well, Jocko was right about the neighborhood. When I left him, I doubled by my place and I left the envelope. I put it in another envelope and stashed it behind some books. Then I headed out to look up John St. John. It must have been about midnight when I got there, and it was the kind of a neighborhood where a for-rent sign reads like a ransom note. I found the place, though. It was an old rooming house, a third-floor apartment. I knocked at the door, and when she opened it, I knew it was time to wire home for money. If they pick a Miss Blowtorch of 1946, she'll be right up there in the running. A tall, blonde blister with lots of Fahrenheit. She stood there leaning against the door, smiling and looking at you as if you had gold-plated muscles. Gave you a weak feeling where your dinner ought to be. And her voice came right out of the oven.
1: Well, you're out kind of late.
6: Yeah. I'm looking for a guy named John St. John.
1: Oh? Won't you come into my cobweb?
6: Sure. For a spider, you're nice and chubby.
1: Well... A Spider-Man. My name's Lee Norton. You want to write it down?
6: Hmm. I'm Pat Novak, and I'm looking for a guy named John St. John.
1: You seem to be running a temperature on the subject. I don't know a John St. John.
6: Well, I found a dead man lugging around your address. Why?
1: I don't know. Perhaps he admired me from afar, like a sunset or something. No,
6: he stopped admiring sunsets about 20 years ago.
1: I see. What are you, the avenging angel?
6: He gave me a sealed envelope.
1: And you were supposed to give it to a man named John St. John, That's
6: right. He gave me 300 bucks to ease the pain.
1: Yeah, I figured that. You don't look like the charitable type.
6: He was a nice old guy, so I'm going to find his boy.
1: Perhaps I could help you.
6: You got a clear, fast track. Let's see you go.
1: I told you, I don't know John St. John, but I'll do this much.
6: Yeah, I know. You're going to be big-hearted and offer to take that letter, just in case you ever meet someone named John St. John. How did you pay the rent this month?
1: Keep the kettle on. I'll only be a moment.
8: Hello, Lee. If we're early, just give us a magazine.
1: No. Come on in. Well, just enough for bridge.
6: You're right. You're only gone a moment. Who are your friends?
1: Don't suck.
6: Did they lock the manhole before they left home?
1: His name's Novak.
6: Yeah, that's a pretty name.
8: Don't rhyme with anything, but it's pretty, huh, Joe? Yeah, it's all right. Let's have the letter, Novak.
6: You got hold of a bad rumor, fella.
8: Uh, The one I got's good. Let's have it.
6: I don't want to strain your mind, Junior, but try to understand I don't have a letter. Ask him again. Come on home, mister. You're not going to get anything out of me except a small tip. Now, if you're a good boy, I'll give you a nickel for your friend, too.
8: All right, Joe. Uh, Hold
0: him up. (laughs) Yeah, just a minute.
6: He's got a head of hair. Hold him up.
1: All right, All right, Mike. That's enough. That's enough.
8: All right, baby. Don't look so sorry. You can't have everything.
4: We'll be back to Pat Novak in just a moment. Have you ever worn uncomfortable shoes? Perhaps the size was wrong or the shoe was the wrong shape for your foot. But no matter why, there's nothing more uncomfortable than shoes that don't fit. The more you're on your feet, the more you know it. Gallencamp specialize in properly fitting shoes for the whole family, right from the toddler's first important step. And Gallencamp's good shoes are built to give support to active feet. Listen to an authority on shoes. He's Mr. John F. Stahl, 64 years young, a retired postman with a hobby.
0: You guessed it. He likes to walk. He says, I've been on my feet most of my life. Since 1935, when I retired as a letter carrier, I walked 10,000 miles. I just walked to San Francisco from Trinity Center, California. That was 410 miles. Walking is fun. But take it from me, you must have good shoes. That's why I stick to Gallon Camps. Gallon Camps are good
4: shoes. And there you have it from a man who knows. Gallon Camps are good shoes. That's why Gallon Camps are the West's favorite shoes, and Gallencamp's Camps' tremendous value makes possible Gallon Camps' reasonable prices. For style, for quality, for reasonable price, for good shoes for the entire family, visit the stores with the yellow fronts. Mr. Stahl walked 410 miles to shop at Gallon Camps, but there's a store in your neighborhood.
6: And now back to Pat Novak for
3: Hire.
6: You know, it's easy to sleep if you got the right friends. When those two were through, I hit the floor and made Rip Van Winkle look like an insomnia victim. I didn't like the floor, but it was in better shape than my face. I don't know how long I was there, but it must have been a couple of hours. I rolled over once and tried to get up, but it was like trying to barbecue a cake of ice. There was a sick, sweet smell in the room. I tried to place it, but my nose was out on strike, so I went to sleep again. Next thing I knew, it sounded like New Year's Eve.
8: Here you go, Patsy. Uh,
7: up on the couch. <coughs>
6: What's the matter?
7: Nothing. If you're a kitchen stove, the room's full of gas. Oh, some of my playmates, I guess. Well, you weren't at the apartment, so I tried here.
6: Yeah. What time is it?
7: Two o'clock. Who got the quaint idea
6: of the gas chamber? A girlfriend. It was love at first sight. Did she get the letter? I left it home. you getting smart. Yeah. $300 worth. They lifted my dough.
7: Well, you couldn't use it where you were going. I, uh... Checked on that hit-and-run card. It's listed under the name of Sidney Bronson.
6: Has he got a record? No. Well, everybody's a beginner. Well, let's go home.
7: It'll be dull, but you'll get used to it. (laughs) Wait till I wash my hands. Sure. Patsy? Yeah? What did your girlfriend look like? Was she the lively type?
6: Yeah. Why? What's the matter?
7: Because she's not anymore.
6: Yeah. Those gunsels play rough.
7: She's kind of pretty. What did she do besides send out vibration?
6: I don't know. But she knew all about John St. John. Yeah? She picked up a bait like a hungry bass. Also, look at that ring.
7: How did you get around to that?
6: The insignia on it. It's the same one that's on the envelope. Spliced crosses. Let's go
7: home, Patsy. The police will be here. Yeah.
6: Even Hellman will know she's dead. Come on, we... on your way out the door, Jocko, try it sideways because I think it's blocked. Hello, Novak. You look pale. It's my color scheme. What do you care, Hellman? None. She looks peaceful. Yeah. Be quiet you'll wake her up.
9: I'll oh, tiptoe.
6: She always cut her throat before she goes to sleep. Who is she, Novak? I don't know.
9: It's awful cozy here for a bunch of perfect strangers.
6: I don't know every dead girl in town, Hellman. You'll have to check. You can still write, can't you, Novak? Huh?
9: That's all you'll need down at headquarters. Come on. Get
6: out of the haze, Hellman. You don't know who's dead yet, but you're going to book somebody. Yeah. What are you doing up here? Praising the joint? I came up to find a guy named John St. John. She doesn't look like a guy named John St. John. She was my lead. I came up here to smell out a rat. She had a half Nelson on me when two gunsels walked in.
7: They came up to fix the gas meter, I think. You stay
6: out of this. I'll make every effort. Now, if you're smart, you'll fingerprint this place, Hellman. Those boys were cute. They've been in somebody's jail. I'll handle my job. You stick to murder. It'll go a long way to pin this on me, Hellman. I can go a long way, Novak. Not with what you've got to drag. We get a call in the middle of the night, come up here and find you standing over a dead girl. That's right. And you want me to sprinkle powder all over. Back up and take a better look, Novak. The view's fine, Hellman. And if you'll take a good look, you'll know why. You haven't got anything to give the DA except a slim lead and a fat hand. You're going to need help. Not on this one. you need help to find the street. Come on back to center, Hellman. Even with both hands, you couldn't... Yeah. Oh, forget it. So take the medicine
9: like a good boy. I'm not going to walk out and let the two of you tour the town. I'm going
10: to
6: book one or both of you on a murder charge. All right. Book Jocko here, then. I love you in a generous mood. You got a string then, Hellman? Somebody's got to find John St. John.
7: Uh, Who's going to find Jocko? Stop worrying. I'll bail you out. You haven't got the right size heart, Novak.
9: You'll let him die on the vine.
7: Helm, sometimes you're guilty of unexpected wisdom. I know it's reflex action, but it's consoling anyway.
9: I want you, Novak. I want you bad. I'll take this guy as a down payment, but I'm going to close out with you. Remember that.
6: I will. All right. Come on, mister.
7: Wait a minute. Patsy, you're not going to let him lug me off like this.
6: What else can I do? The guy likes you. Now, it was a bum curve to throw Jocko, but somebody had to dig us out of a hole, and Jocko wasn't the boy. You can't shovel dirt with a bar rag. I had no idea where to start. There were two murders, and they were both tied up with John St. John. He didn't look like a good guy to know. There was that insignia, too, the one on the letter and the girl's ring. Oh, sure, it could be coincidence, but... That's what they said about Bluebeard. The only thing I could do was open that letter. So I went back to the apartment. I didn't have to turn on the light. They were running in pairs tonight. She was sitting there on the couch, proud of a pair of long silk legs and smiling like a guy who knows he's got a million bucks in the bank. She was blonde, too. A little more lemon juice, maybe, but blonde anyway. She was nice and comfortable, and I got the idea she'd just signed a lease.
5: Good evening. How do you do?
6: Not very well so far.
5: A sly remark, Mr. Novak?
6: No, I'm just bringing you up to date. Your girlfriend's dead.
5: Yes?
6: Yeah. I just want to let you know the gas jet's out in the kitchen.
5: Oh, don't shout. I'd like you better if you purred. I don't
6: need your vote. Who's John St. John? I
5: don't know John St. John. Is he worth breaking your heart over?
6: There's a good guy down in the clink sweating out a murder rap for me, so I want John St. John. Mm, you've got nice friends. Who's Sidney Bronson? How does
5: that fit into the picture?
6: This started with a waterfront corpse. The leftovers belong to an old guy that was hit by a car. The car's registered in the name of Sidney Bronson.
5: Mr. Novak, you seem so intense. It's a pity to waste it on random speculation. I
6: told you. I got a friend in the jug.
5: Mm, loyalty's a nice trait. One of your nicest. Yeah. You're a pretty thing, Patsy. Well,
6: don't get fooled by the rapper. I'll
5: take a chance.
6: Anybody ever brief you on trouble?
5: You're hard to see that far away. Come on over and focus, Patsy. Yeah. You're pretty, Patsy.
6: You look like you want a bill of sale.
5: I'm the gentle kind, Novak. I'd just like to break your ribs.
6: Go ahead. I can get a brace.
5: Come here.
3: Hmm.
5: Mr. Novak, I'll bet you do a swell rumba.
6: Yeah? What's on your mind?
5: What you're going to say when you find out about this gun. Huh? That's right, sweetheart. My finger isn't hollow. Back up and take a look at the gun.
6: Mm. Well, you got to that purse,
5: huh? That's right.
6: Well, you've ruined my confidence. And I'll give
5: you a testimonial. In the meantime, I want the letter.
6: You go after everything the same way.
5: I want the letter.
6: Mm-hmm. It's in the desk. Come on. Right here in the top drawer. <coughs> oh, let go. Stay away from me. I'm already here, lady. <coughs> Come on, oh. all right. Drop the gun, <laughs> sis. Drop it. Well,
5: you can let go of my arms now.
6: Well, that's your version.
5: Let, let go of me. Let go of me. I... Oh. Oh. Well, what was that for?
6: A little something on the house and I'll beat it.
5: Well, you've ruined my confidence.
6: You're lucky. Go on home.
5: You won't change your mind about that letter? No. Well, Suit yourself. I'll be going. Oh, Patsy. Yeah? I can't help you on John St. John, but I wouldn't worry about that fella, Sidney Bronson.
6: Huh? Why?
5: Because I'm Sidney Bronson. See you soon.
6: That began to look like a big, fat, well-fed double cross. I had to find out what was in that letter, so I made tracks for the bookcase. All I could do was browse because the letter was gone. Well, things didn't look rosy for me or Jocko. I was about to buy a file and bake a cake when the phone rang. Hello, Novak. Oh, Hellman.
4: The coroner got a report on that dead girl. She died at 12.30. Well,
6: that's pretty close. What's he got, a stopwatch?
4: Fifteen minutes either way. Those fingerprints panned out, too. Yeah? A couple of L.A. strong arm men.
6: Well, that's new for L.A., you got a call out?
9: We already picked them up. Your favorites, named Welcome Danglir. Well,
6: I could make a joke. I
9: already got one. They're set up with a perfect alibi for twelve thirty.
6: Well, that means I killed the girl.
4: Nobody's arguing. I got some more news. Yeah. I'm out at the Seal Rocks. How
6: well, you got the figure for it?
4: We just found an envelope floating around the water. It's one of yours. You better
6: come on out. You found an envelope. So what?
4: So the envelope turns out to be in some guy's pocket. Come on out. <laughs>
6: Well, that only meant one thing. Whoever took the envelope out of my place got popular. It was getting late, so I grabbed a cab and rode out to the beach. When I got there, Hellman was standing down in the water. He had Jocko with him. The surf was rolling in, and Jocko wasn't much better.
11: Hello,
7: Percy.
6: Hello, Jocko. How's jail?
7: Dry. Thanks for coming, Novak.
6: You're sweet. Where's the envelope? Here. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same one. That makes you look good. There was a letter in here. Did you take that with the guy's money, Hellman? You got all there is. Hmm. This guy on the beach is the third one.
7: It's my opinion the case will solve itself. We're running out of people. Who
6: is the guy? His name's Walter Avery. Here's his stuff. Yeah, what's left? Well, the spliced cross really gets around. Keeps bobbing up. Here it is on this guy's fountain pen. I'm going to run this guy through the morgue, and then I'm going to look you up, Novak. Yeah, sure. We want you down with us. That's
7: right. I'll introduce you to all the best people. Good night, lover.
6: Was close to five, so I tagged by my place for some sleep. I tossed around like a fish on the living room rug. Hellman called about nine to throw more dust in my eyes. He said one of the airlines had a passenger to Portland named Walter Avery. Just to make it tough, the guy made the 12 o'clock plane and got off at Portland. I had left field all to myself. I got dressed, and I looked up Sidney Bronson's number. There was no answer, so I went over. The place was locked, and I looked up the janitor. He wasn't going to let me in, but it turned out that his wife had a birthday coming up. Well, I found something in the apartment. It was a card, and it said, Belcrest Sanitarium. Down in the corner, there was a guy's name. Dr. Emil Schoenig, psychiatrist, Vienna, without the walls. The Belcrest Sanitarium was down on the peninsula, so I borrowed a car and headed down that way. Everything was fine until I got in the front door. They didn't even let me register. (laughs) I woke up on a couch in Schoenig's office. It was dark outside, and my left arm was throbbing like a love story in a woman's magazine radiator sitting beside me was Sydney.
5: You're a deep sleeper.
6: I think I got some help. What happened to my arm?
5: Hypodermic. You only need one arm, anyway.
6: In your case, I need a spare. Who did it?
5: Dr. Schoenig.
6: Oh, he's a darling boy. Where is he?
5: Out on the phone trying to figure out what to do with you.
6: What's that make me, a patient? Mm,
5: that's one way of putting it. You made things easy. We were coming to you for the letter.
6: Hmm? You want to try that over again?
5: We were on our way when you stumbled in.
6: You're wrong, Sid. Somebody's given you a fast pitch. That letter was gone when you were up at my place.
5: I don't want a bum rib, Patsy. I want that letter.
6: You're trailing the Field Angel. I told you. The letter's gone. A guy by the name of Walter Avery took it out of my place.
5: Walter Avery? That's
6: right, and somebody thanked him. They found him this morning, making like a dead seal.
5: Walter Avery left for Portland last night.
6: A plant, sweethearts. You better read up on
0: your friends.
5: Yeah. Thanks, Patsy.
0: I told you to watch him, Sid. You had more shots. What's
5: the difference?
0: Oh, none, I suppose. Uh, why don't you mix us a drink while I talk to Mr. Novak?
5: I'll be right with you.
0: Well, Mr. Novak, you're one of my best patients. Well,
6: that's because I like your needles. You better go easy on that drink. Yes. Why? Well, you'll get drunk and run somebody
0: down the way you did that guy on the waterfront. Oh? A good guess. You should be proud. That's a good, sensible, final emotion.
5: Here's your drink, Emil.
0: Thank you, my dear. As to you, Mr. Novak. Sorry, there's no drink for you, Mr. Novak. There probably will be. Huh? Forget it.
5: Emil, I talked to Mr. Novak before you came in. He thinks you're a heel. He does. Mm, So do I.
0: I can stand it.
5: He told me about Walter Avery.
0: I'm sorry about that.
5: Walter got that letter. You killed him and took it. I was supposed to blunder around until you got rid of me, too. That's a bum joke, Emil.
0: You're getting hysterical. With
5: laughter, Emil. You put one of your boys on the plane. Only Novak aired the wash too
3: fast.
0: Suppose I did. Somebody ought to bring you up to date, Sydney. You've been hanging on too long. The free ride's over. I might as well tell you now you're all through. I carried the whole bunch along and... (coughs) And I'm all through. (coughs) What's the matter with me? What's the matter with me, Sid? Give
5: him a hand, Novak. He just had a bad drink.
3: You wouldn't do that, Sid.
5: I'm full of surprises. You got a stomach full of poison. You got a stomach full of poison in 15 seconds, Emil. (laughs) Put down that gun, Emil. I want you to, Sid. Please, Emil, put down the gun. I'm a selfish fellow.
0: (laughs) This happens kind of fast for you, fellow.
5: Lots of noise, huh, Patsy?
6: Yeah. I'll get you a pillow.
5: I'd rather have your lap.
6: Oh, you get mercy, not love, baby.
5: No, thanks for small favors. How do I look?
6: Not so good. That was the three and two pitch.
5: Yeah. I had it coming up. I'll tell you about John St. John.
6: I know. There was no such guy? That's right. It
5: was the name of the group.
6: Those spliced crosses? Yes.
5: You found out a little late, but it's always that way. That's the way I found out about you. Yeah? You had a funny little hunt about you and me. I found out a little late. But I know now, Patsy. Does that help?
6: Well, John St. John was the name of an organization buying and selling government information. That old man tried to tell me, but he checked out too fast. I began to figure something like that when those spliced crosses started showing up. Shonig killed the old man in Sidney's car. He couldn't stop because I was around. The two girls and Walter Avery were both in on the deal. Shonig knew who I was when he saw me go into my office. He trailed me to my place and left Avery there to look for the letter. He killed that girl up in the rooming house, and then he found out she didn't have the letter. When Avery showed up, he took it away from him, threw him to the fish. He was trying to shake Sydney by sending her up to my place after he had the letter. The scheme went haywire when I showed up at the sanitarium. He was trying to work himself out of that one when the payoff came. John St. John? Well, right from the start, Jocko said he was either dead or in the state pen because anybody with a name like John St. John would have killed his parents as soon as he got old enough to find out about it.
4: We'll return in a moment to find out what bothered Inspector Hellman. But now it's Cinderella time.
5: Cinderella lost a shoe and so she got a mate. The modern miss has learned from this in-gallon in gall- camp she'll raid.
4: A pretty face, a graceful figure, lovely shoes. That's a combination that no man can resist. What a delightful feeling to know that from the top of your head to the tip of your toes... You are the picture of glamorous perfection. Here's what Marilyn Buford, Miss America 1946, says.
1: Probably the most fun of being chosen, Miss America, is modeling the gorgeous clothes. What girl wouldn't be thrilled to select costume after costume from a collection of America's leading designers? And after seeing the importance they attach to the right shoes for every costume, I'm glad I learned about gallon Camps years ago.
4: Yes, Marilyn, there's magic in a pair of shoes, as every woman knows. And having the right shoes is no longer a luxury thanks to Gallen Camps, the home of lovely shoes at, shh, reasonable prices. And that's why Miss America's favorite store is the favorite store of America's Misses.
5: Cinderella lost a shoe and so she got a maid. The modern Miss has learned from this in Gallen Camps
4: she'll write. And now back to Pat Novak.
6: It worked out all right. They found the letter out at Schoenig's place, and there were some plans for jet planes and a few other trifles. Hellman asked only one question. How come Schoenig didn't kill me before I could talk to the girl? (laughs) It's always that way with a guy who commits murder. Either he goes too far or he doesn't go far enough.
4: Be sure to join us next Sunday evening and every Sunday, same time, same station for radio's newest show, Pat Novak for Hire. And don't forget the store with the yellow front is the Gallen Camp Shoe Store. Gallen Camp Shoes are good shoes. There's something about them you'll like. Franklin Evans speaking. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Cinderella
11: lost shoe and so she got a mate With lovely shoes of girl In Gallon
4: she More miles to a Gallon cap. Yes, Gallon caps, the family shoe stores with the yellow fronts The largest shoe chain in the West with stores from Canada to Mexico to serve the West G-A-L-L-E-N-K-A-M-P-S Gallon Caps Present Pat Novak for Hire
6: sign out in front of my office says Pat Novak for hire. Down on the waterfront in San Francisco, you always bite off more than you can chew. It's tough on your windpipe, but you don't go hungry. Down here, a lot of people figure it's better to be a fat guy in a graveyard than a thin guy in a stew. That way, you can be sure of a tight fit. Oh, I rent boats and do anything else that makes a sound like money. It works out all right if your mother doesn't mind you coming home for Christmas in a box. I found that out Wednesday night about 9 o'clock. I closed the shop early and I came home to read. Well, it wasn't a bad book if you ever wanted to start a forest fire. It was one of those historical things, and the girl in it was just getting her second wind and her third man when the door to my apartment opened and the place began to get crowded. From where I sat, the crowd looked good. She sauntered in, moving slowly from side to side like 118 pounds of warm smoke. Her voice was all right, too. It reminded you of a furnace full of marshmallows. Good evening. Yeah, thanks for knocking.
12: I don't think you mind my coming in without warning.
6: No. I get the cabbage smell from next door the same way.
12: Does it pay to be that polite, Mr. Novak?
6: Saves you the trouble of saying please. What's on your mind?
12: That bottle in front of you. Will you pour me a drink?
6: No. You'll save dough if you look up a bartender.
12: All right. I came to use you instead of your whiskey anyway. Talk. My name is Lee Underwood. I'll give you $300 to do something for me. It'll only take an hour.
6: That's too much dough unless it's murder. And if it is murder, it's not enough, though.
12: Are you afraid?
6: I just don't like paid murder, I told you. When you get caught, the pain gets expensive. If
12: it were murder, I'd do it myself. Mr. Novak, I want you to frighten someone for me.
6: Why don't you hire a friend? Are they too pretty?
12: It's a man named Dixie Gillian. You'll find him in an office down on Folsom Street, at this address. I promise nothing will happen to you.
6: That's what they told Billy Kahn.
12: He'll be in this office until 11 tonight. I want you to go in and see him. Tell him you're from Adrian that he's to get out of town by tomorrow noon.
6: Well, suppose he wants to put it off.
12: He won't. Don't let him know who hired you. Just tell him Adrian said to leave.
6: Yeah. You better go home. For 300 bucks, I won't buy a tissue paper plot. Now tell me more or say goodbye.
12: There's not much more I can tell you, except there won't be any trouble. He's a rotten little beast, and I want him frightened badly. Why? He's been bothering my sister.
6: Why doesn't he bother you?
12: Because I bother back too fast. Do you want the 300, Mr. Novak?
6: Yeah, it's going to be a long winter. Put it on the table.
12: Good. And you'll need this, too.
6: No, you keep it. I don't want a gun.
12: It's empty. Don't worry. See? No shells. It's perfectly safe.
6: Now, look. I've got a nasty disposition. You can rent that for 300 bucks, but if you want more, find a gunsel or an off-duty copper. Will
12: you? I don't want you to be a gunsel. That's why I want you to use this gun. I know it's empty. If you use it on Dixie, he'll scare fast. It's just a way to save some breath.
6: All right. It's your 300
12: You better go now.
6: Yeah. Wait till I get a coat, maybe. If uh, your doorbell rings, don't play mouse. Oh? Because I may look you up. Am
12: I too young to ask why? Because
6: if anything goes wrong, I'll be around looking for you. From there on, it won't be nice. I'll dirty you up like a locker room towel. Relax, Patsy. You'll never
12: learn to fall in love that way.
6: She handed me the gun and walked out of my apartment. Seeing her leave made you feel like Frank Buck losing an argument. She walked with a nice, easy swing of a satisfied leopard, and for a small leopard, she had pretty good spots, too. I put the gun in my overcoat pocket, and I went down to Folsom Street. The address was down near the bridge entrance, and the street was deserted except for a couple of winos near the corner trying to buy back 1926 at a dollar a jug. I stopped in front of the place. It was a machinery company. I could see a light burning in the back. I began to walk through the place. It was so quiet, you could hear a worm with whooping cough, and there were enough shadows around to keep a ghost happy for years. When I got to the office back in the corner, through the glass, I could see a man sitting at the desk. When I opened the door and walked in, he didn't seem surprised.
9: Come on in, mister.
6: The better on noise. Yeah. That's right. You make too much for a thief and not enough for a customer. What do you want? I'm about ten words if you're Dixie Gillian. Go ahead. You better look up a timetable.
13: What makes you that tough?
6: This.
10: Oh...
9: Why do you look tougher with a gun? Does it make you talk faster?
10: I'm going to
6: say it slow, mister. Pack up your rompers and get out. Is that you talking or somebody else? I'm just the guy with the gun. Adrian does the talking. And he says, get out. That's right. You've got the whole message now.
9: All right. You told me. So wander out and spend your dough. I will. You'll need part of it, though, because I'm going to give you an answer for Adrian. I'm going to take that gun away from you, mister. You can pick the pieces out of your head on the way
6: home. You better stand back or I'll share it with you. You got your offer, mister. Let's see you make good. Here. Yeah. Save your muscle, Stop fella. that gun, will you? Save Stop your muscle, fella. The gun's Stop empty. The gun.
3: Somebody fooled us, mister
6: Sometimes you can get a home run with a half swing That's the way it was this time He couldn't have made it with a prayer book in both hands He slid down to the floor and trembled for a moment And then flattened out like a leaf in a pool of water Just before he died, he grabbed his side As if he didn't like the way it hurt Then he didn't care I rolled him on his back and let him look at the ceiling His eyes were open and he looked surprised Like a guy who didn't figure on a change in the weather There was a scar that ran across his forehead and dug deep into his hairline. And he was lying there with a bunch of pink gum showing as if he was trying to pick up a few bucks with a toothpaste ad. I didn't have time to tell him how sorry I was because if homicide caught me here I'd have about as much chance as a canary in a basement full of cats. I started for the door. Right then I knew I could start ordering birdseed. It was Hellman. And he walked over to have a look at the body. Hello, Novak The guy looks embarrassed Yeah, I guess he is, Hellman What's he doing dead? Putting in a beef somewhere, I guess He rates it He'll like you for that, Novak How did it happen? A team play We worked it out together But you've got the gun That's right I got the gun You feel like a bet? No Just keep stealing the old way
10: You know how I feel, Novak
6: Yeah, you feel flabby to anybody else But to yourself, I suppose you feel good Now look I walked in here with a gun. There was some quick fight talk, and I killed him. But it's still not a good rap. I can get a long price on it for you, Novak. I'll bet you can, Hellman. You can give me a bad deal, but part of the time it'll be from the other side of the deck. Worse than that, Novak. It'll be all the time. And I want to watch it because I think you're going to be a crybaby. I'm going to scream, if that's what you mean, Hellman. I'm going to scream about a gal that sent me in here with an empty gun. That's a big hole for a cap pistol, Novak. I got a last-minute curve. It was empty once. Yeah.
9: That's the only way they make a gun, Novak. I don't want you for an hour ago. I want you to put this dead
6: guy on the floor. All right, all right. I told you I didn't come in here to kill the guy. I don't know him. He may even be a good guy. I'm sorry he's dead. All right, Novak. Just wait a few weeks and you can tell him personally. Hellman had me up against the rail and he knew it. When we left there, he was wearing a big, toothy smile. It was big enough to sew on his ears. He called the coroner and he told him to pick up the stiff and then we rode downtown. He dropped the gun into ballistics and he hauled me into his office. The reporters were there. They gave him the whole story and told him how to spell Hellman. After that, we wound up at the desk and he booked me on suspicion of murder. The next hour and a half was the kind of stuff they don't write about in the paper. They call it interrogation. When you're finished, you've been through a lot of tight spots, like a piece of bubble gum and a set of false teeth. About eleven o'clock, Hellman brought me into his office, and from there on it happened kind of fast.
9: I just talked to the DA. He's gonna streamline things for you. Well, he's
6: gonna look funny. I want a trial on a guy you can't identify. I won't press you. I don't have to, Novak. I've got the only parley I need.
9: You, the dead guy, and a big fat murder guy. Yeah. Yeah? Hellman talking. Yeah, I know it was a thirty eight. That crazy down in ballistics, I saw him standing over the dead guy. Well, they must have made a mistake, that's all. No, I don't want him in here. I don't want
6: him in here. Hey, Tony. Tony, I... You're getting pale. You need some more rouge, Hellman.
9: I got some bad news, Inspector.
8: Well,
6: keep it, or you'll take more home to your wife. I'll talk to you later. No, talk to him now, Hellman. If the bullet doesn't match the gun, talk to him now.
9: That's right, Inspector. A .38 bullet, but it won't match the gun you brought in. It's got to match. I came in and found him standing
6: there. He admits it
9: a neat trick, then. if he fired the bullet out of that gun, he retold it in midair.
6: I'm not that fast, Hellman. Get out of that chair so you'll have room to squirt. You keep still, Moby. Oh, I won't bother you. I'm going home. Huh? I'm walking out of your jail, Hellman. You've got a broken down thirty-eight that won't fit anything but your thumbs. You can't hold me on that. I found you over the body. I can hold you on suspicion of murder. But it'll hurt tomorrow morning, Hellman. The papers will be down here for a follow-up. And you'll have to tell them what it looks like out in left field. I'll handle them. You can't afford to let them start laughing at you. People will get the idea it's your face.
8: You can save Carpher if you stay right here. Because I'll have you back by noon tomorrow.
6: You're not that good, Hellman. You couldn't hold a moth with a searchlight. The town ought to thank you. Oh, it's a nice jail, Hellman. And with you around, it'll last for years.
4: We'll return to Pat Novak in a moment. You're going to put extra warmth and comfort in your Christmas wishes this year. How do I know? Well, because I've seen the Gallon Camp Christmas gift slipper collection. You know, everybody's talking about it as the gayest, brightest idea on the gift shopping horizon. When you visit your neighborhood Gallon Camp store, well, then you'll know why. There you'll find slippers for every member of the family. Soft and cuddly warm ski capers for sis, handsome embroidered Chinese slippers for mom, warm shearling-lined opera slippers for brother and good-looking, smooth kid opera slippers for Dad's fireside loafing. Yes, and there are appealingly soft and gorgeously colored shearling scuffs to delight the heart of any young lady from 16 to 60, and slippers for the little nippers. All are irresistibly comfortable, good-looking, and irresistibly gallon-cap price. Go to Gallon Camp's, the store with the yellow front near you, to buy Christmas gift slippers that'll say Merry Christmas in a heartwarming way. Give more smiles with a Gallon Camp slipper gift. And now back to Pat Novak.
6: When I walked out of headquarters, I had a nice mess to juggle. It was like trying to walk the baby on a floor full of marbles. If things didn't add up for Hellman, they weren't doing any better for me. I knew the gun I had went off. If it did, what happened to the bullet? Where did the other one come from? Why weren't there two shots? Oh, I couldn't put my finger on a thing and nothing added up. It was like trying to follow a grain of rice in a Shanghai suburb. I looked up Lee Underwood's address and I went by her apartment. A girl downstairs told me she worked at a nightclub out on the Bayshore Highway. Well, I had a couple of places to hit, so I looked up the only honest guy I know an ex-doctor and a boozer by the name of Jocko Madigan. A good man until he began to figure the last drink in a bottle is just as easy to get as the first. Well, I found him in a little leather-trimmed sink on Powell Street. It was a grimy little hole where they washed the glasses once a week in stale beer, but Jocko was more at home than a vulture in Calcutta.
7: Ah, Patsy, you're just in time to celebrate my return to health. Something mild for Mr. Novak. Uh, a double stinger, perhaps.
6: No, forget it, Jocko. i got to talk to you.
7: Patsy, I've just passed through a crisis. Yeah. A few minutes ago, they set before me a glass with a woman's lipstick all around the rim. All right, Jocko. I took one gulp and looked at the glass, and in this dim light, I thought I was bleeding to get, uh, bleeding to death. As, uh, it took them ten minutes and three mirrors to calm me down.
6: Jocko, I'm in trouble. You've got to help me.
7: No, but they washed the glass for me in, in ammonia. They must have left a little ammonia in the glass because the next drink had a very odd tang about it. I've had three more just like it. <laughs> a sort of ammonia calling. All
6: right, all well, right. Well, so
7: far, they've been using domestic ammonia. When the imported stuff comes in, I may give up whiskey altogether. Calm
6: down, will you, Jocko? I got a bum shake tonight. Yeah? I either killed a guy or I thought I did. Well, that uses up the alternatives. What are you doing now, taking a vote? I got hired to scare a guy down on Folsom Street. Ten minutes later, the guy was dead. Oh, Patsy, you take your work too seriously. Couldn't you
7: have just scared him into a lingering illness instead of killing him?
6: One of the props was an empty gun. Only when the fight came, it grew bullets. Hellman walked in right after on a telephone tip.
7: What are you doing out of the electric chair?
6: Oh, the whole thing backfired down at headquarters. The bullet and the phony gun wouldn't match. Jocko, it doesn't add up. The call to Hellman's a tip-off. I was framed, but why wasn't I framed all the way? Well, who is the dead man? It's a guy with a falling blood count. His name was supposed to be Dixie Gillian, but there's no identification and no record on him. Oh, you shouldn't have hired out as a gunsel. I told you I didn't hire out as a gunsel. It was somebody else's idea. Oh, you have no
7: conscience, Patsy. Just a sort of soap opera rule of thumb you put into practice now and then, but no real conscience... You'd let a dying woman lie in the middle of the highway, unless her head was resting on a
6: pile of raw bonds. All right, Jocko, I'll cry with you later. I need help now.
7: Oh, what sort of help?
6: I want you to break into a girl's apartment. Yes? Don't worry, she won't be home. Oh, is
7: that supposed to be an incentive?
6: Here, it's at this address up on O'Farrell. Her name is Lee Underwood. She's the one who hired me.
7: Well, if a girl's not there, what am I supposed to find?
6: Anything that'll connect her with a dead man. He's a big guy with a scar. Well, that doesn't help much. You can't miss Go through the desk and the drawers. Pick up everything you can. Leave a message at my place, huh? Oh, as soon as I finish this drink. Hurry up, will you, Jocko? Leave the glass alone and get going.
7: Don't rush me. Hurry up. The glass is empty anyway. Yeah, that's what you thought about the gun, but the fellow got an awful jolt out of it. Uh, good night, lover.
6: I went by a horse parlor on O'Farrell Street and borrowed a car from a guy. It was after midnight when I started down the Bayshore Highway, and about a half hour later, I pulled up in front of the cat's paw. It was a long, rambling place on the left side of the road. No, there was no plan. It just followed the erosion line until they ran out of material. There was enough neon in front to light a main intersection in heaven. I asked a 50-year-old busboy, and he said Lee Underwood was back in her dressing room getting ready for the 1 o'clock show. When I walked in, she was sitting in front of a mirror, working on an upswept hairdo. If she swept it up anymore, it was going to leave her head. I stood behind her, looking at the pink, fresh part of her neck that didn't show when her hair was down.
12: You seem fascinated, Patsy.
6: No. I just want to know where to break it.
12: Uh Oh. Sit down on the footstool here next to me. That's it. I like to look down on people. Here, let me brush that strand of hair back. Or do you like it in your eyes?
6: Brush it back so I can see your answers. Who's Dixie Gillian?
12: What difference does it make?
6: None to him and some to me. He's dead.
12: No. No, he couldn't be dead.
6: He'd like to believe that, too. I couldn't sell him that story about an empty gun.
12: He couldn't have been killed with that gun. No? No, I put in a blank, Patsy.
6: Somebody used a hard-working bullet because Dixie's dead.
12: There was no reason to kill him. I don't understand.
6: That makes you even with homicide, but they got a bigger team.
12: I don't understand it, Patsy.
6: Who's Dixie Gillian?
12: He was after some microfilm. I thought I could scare him away.
6: You better be ready to identify him because homicide stopped. Even the scar didn't help. What scar? scar across his face. There's no record on him.
12: No, no, Patsy. Everything goes wrong. Everything you touch goes wrong. That's the wrong man, Patsy.
6: Yeah. Well, it's too late for a recount.
12: You've got to get to that body, Patsy. I don't know how, but somewhere you've got to get to him.
10: Uh, You look good, Lee. You'll make a nice picture.
12: Wait a minute, Dixie.
10: You don't need your coat. Come on.
12: I don't know how it happened, Dixie. I didn't mean it that way. If you like it
6: that way, all right. Bring your boyfriend, too.
12: No, don't let him, Patsy.
6: Oh, that gun's too big. I'm going with him. It was a short trip. He led us out of the dressing room and down a thin hall to the back door. Mm. On the way past the kitchen, you could smell onions and used grease, and that's all you noticed except the sound of a jukebox somewhere out in front
3: Mm.
6: and someone laughing in a loud, mirthless way. Mm. When we got to the door, it was raining outside. Mm. We walked about 40 feet over near some trees where the dark was working overtime, Mm. and the Gunsel made her stop. Mm. And that's where it happened. He's going to get wet, mister. You'll have a little trouble yourself. (laughs) When I woke up, it was still raining, and I was lying on top of the mud like a stubborn seed. My wallet was gone, and the gunsel had ripped open my pockets. I stood up, and I walked over for a last look at Lee. The rain had washed the makeup off her face and she looked small and tired as she lay there like a broken doll that had been tossed out in the rain. I guess she was. I got to the car and I drove back to town. I checked my place, but there was no word from Jocko, so I went up to Lee's apartment. When I opened the door, the room was dark, but I knew someone was on the floor. Either that or they'd varnished the floor with bourbon. I flipped on the light and bent over Jocko. Wake up, Jocko. Come on, come on. All right, Jocko, wake up.
7: A little ammonia. A little ammonia, I think, would bring me around.
6: What happened? I was sapped, I guess. Yeah. Everybody's got the same act tonight. Uh, Help me up. All right, come on.
7: Where have you been?
6: I went down to meet the girl. Huh? Where'd you meet her? In the swimming pool? I've been in the rain all night. She's going to stay longer. What'd you find out? Uh, The fellow
7: with the sky is her husband. Yeah? There's a picture in the desk.
6: Are there any more pictures?
7: Oh, a few. Take a look. Where, in here? Yes.
6: Well, well. Who is he? Must be Dixie Gillian. He was down to pay off a debt tonight. She called him Dixie once.
7: There's a note with that name and address in the other drawer.
6: He's our boy. we better get up there. Not if he's already killed two other people. We can't wait for Hellman. If he gets away,
8: I'm all through. I won't have a leg to stand on. That's my point. When the other fellow gets through with us, we won't have much standing to do. (laughs)
6: Felt oh, better now. Gillian was the only guy left in the picture. So I dragged Jocko up to his place. It was an apartment on Post Street. The elevator operator took us to the eighth floor and said that Gillian had come in a few minutes before. There was no answer. So we tried the door and it was open. Jocko didn't like the idea.
7: Oh, Patsy, this is folly. Risking my life is one of the bravest things you do.
6: Keep still, Jocko. What are we supposed to do? The door was open when I...
7: So are a lot of graves, but I've never been tempted.
6: Hey, Look at the furniture. There's been a fight here. I'll look in here. You check in the bedroom.
7: Uh, If I'm not right back, don't expect me at all. Yeah. Patsy! Patsy, come here! Yeah? There's somebody on the fire escape. Stand back here. Uh, He's not moving. He was leaning that way
6: when I first saw him. I'll get on this side. You raise the window. Go easy, Jocko. Can you see him from there?
7: Raise it a little more. Uh, he's still leaning there. I can reach out. Now
6: watch yourself. If he's kidding, you'll lose an arm.
7: Uh, I, I've got him. Raise the window no more. Yeah. Uh, oh, Patsy, he's falling. Give me a hand. Oh,
6: here, let me through there.
7: Oh, uh, It's too late. I can't hold it. He's falling.
6: Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. He was probably dead anyway.
7: Uh, if he wasn't, that was a step in the right direction.
6: It was an easy night to die. Three of them had checked out already, and it was still time to look for more. Jocko and I went downstairs to see the guy. He was lying face down in the alley, and as you looked at him, you got the funny feeling he belonged there. He didn't disturb the scene, he just fit it in, like a dirty wet newspaper under a grandstand. There was a gun in his pocket, probably the same one that killed the girl, but there was no way of knowing. Jocko and I watched him for a moment, but your eyes begin to hurt when you see your only warm lead in a deep freeze. Well, it was past two when I got down to headquarters and I looked up Hellman. I briefed him on the girl and the guy in the alley, and then I asked him if any microfilm had turned up on the first guy in the morgue. It was a waste of time. Hellman couldn't find a brass ring in a dead man's nose, but we went over to the morgue for another look. So far, it was working out like a crossword puzzle torn in half. It's your time, Novak. I got more after tomorrow. You haven't. The microfilm must be on the guy. Three people have been killed for it, and... I got roughed up just for laughs. We searched the guy once. There uh, it is. Uh, help me roll it out. Yeah. Well, well. He sure got thin under that sheet, didn't he? Wait a minute. Oh, you run a good morgue, Hellman. What'll the papers say when they hear the stiff got up and walked out? They got him in the wrong place or something. He didn't walk out. He's gone, Hellman. Have you got an answer? He's been moved, I tell you. The guy was dead and I saw him put him here. He couldn't be walking around with a hole in the middle of his back. Oh, I don't know, Hellman. You can do it with one in your head. Don't sell the guy short. We'll return to Pat Novak
4: in a moment.
11: Cinderella lost his shoe and so she got a mate. With lovely shoes a girl can't lose. In gallon can't you
4: wait. What girl hasn't dreamed Cinderella dreams of her own and wished for a fairy godmother to make those dreams come true? Here's what the newest Cinderella, Marilyn Buford, Miss America, says.
1: The modern girl doesn't waste time dreaming. She makes her dreams come true, and she needs no fairy godmother to give her lovely shoes. She doesn't, that is if she has discovered my favorite shoe store, Gallon Camps.
4: Yes, Marilyn, for gracefully lovely shoes, flattering, and in the latest fashions, wise girls go to Gallon Camps. Gallon Camps are shoe style leaders. And so
1: amazingly priced, a girl can afford to have all the shoes she needs.
4: And here's extra good news of a special Thanksgiving shoe sale. Yes, prices are actually going down on many of the -the up-to-the-minute shoe styles tomorrow at Gallon Camps. So shop this sale at the Gallon Camp store near you tomorrow to step assured into the exciting holiday activities ahead. Look lovely in Gallon Camps.
11: Cinderella lost a shoe and so she got a maid. With lovely shoes a girl can't lose in Gallon Camp she'll
3: raid.
4: And now back to Pat Novak.
6: When Hellman found out the body was gone, he stood there and stared at the empty slab. And then he started looking around in a nervous way, like a man trying to find the sugar bowl at a restaurant counter. A few moments later, he turned and walked out of the morgue, and we were halfway downtown when it happened. It must have hit us at the same time, sharp and quick, like a piece of candy in a bad tooth. That guy back in the alley had come off that slab in the morgue. We got out to Dixie's place, and we began to check. There was a phone operator downstairs, and she said Dixie had put through a call about two hours ago. Hellman checked the number, and it was the ticket office of a railroad. We got downtown, and we ran through the timetable. There was a train leaving the Oakland Mole in 40 minutes. Oh, it was an outside chance, but tonight that was the only kind for sale. We got down in time to slide on the last ferry over to the Mole. It was still dark out when the ferry pulled away from the slip and started across the bay. Over toward the Berkeley Hills, it was beginning to get light. The sky was the color of a bruise spot on a man's arm. We'll get up to the pilot house and tell him not to dock until we've gone through all the passengers. He doesn't have to be in on this one. He'll check the train when he gets there. Wait a minute. You don't have to check. There's your boy. Where? Up there. On the rail. Now, you better go easy. He's not a scale model. Just walk quietly until we're behind him. Yeah. Turn around, mister. You'll get a better view. Hmm? Oh. Well, hello, Novak. How was the wind and the rain in your hair. Meet Inspector Hellman. You better turn in your ticket. Well, I hope you brought your muscle. Grab it, oh. Hellman. That's what I'm. I'm trying to do. All right, Copper. Watch it. I'm being pushed over the rail. Yeah, so... I'm worried, Hellman.
3: Watch it, Novak. I'm going over. Novak.
10: That's one down, Mister. Now for you. Yeah. <clears throat>
6: I landed on the deck, and I watched him disappear in the dark. Halfway down, the guy turned in. I followed him down the ladder along the main deck. He ducked into one of the engine spaces, and I started in to look for him. Oh, it didn't take long, because he turned out to be helpful.
14: You got the idea yet, Novak?
6: I'll come closer. Tell me then, huh?
14: Suit yourself, and I'll
7: knock you down hard when you show.
6: Hey, watch that platform. You're backing into trouble. Stay back
7: there,
3: Novak.
6: Watch out for that platform. You're backing into that engine.
3: Look out! No! No! No!
9: Kind of wound up last,
6: huh? Yeah. That's the way it looks. Did you get the microfilm? Yeah. Oh, I got a big hurt. Does it show? A little. Yeah. yeah. It's been a long night, Novak, huh? Yeah, but your worries are over. It's almost dawn.
8: I don't know. I don't know if I can use it, but... I'll give it to you.
6: Well, they fished Hellman out of an oil slick a few minutes later. It was the first time his hair ever looked good. Dixie Gillian lasted long enough to piece the story together for homicide. Lee Underwood was on the level. She knew her husband was carrying microfilm and was worried so she hired me to scare off Gillian. It might have worked, too, because Adrian was too big for Gillian to argue with. But the first slip came when Lee's husband went by to make a deal with Dixie without telling her. Well, when I jumped him, Dixie was outside and figured it was a double cross. He didn't have time to figure it, but he killed him with a silencer when Lee's phony gun went off. Well, he spent the rest of the time looking for the microfilm. That's why Jocko got sapped and the girl got hers, and by that time, Dixie knew the microfilm was still on the dead man... The only way he could be sure was to get the body out of the morgue. He took it up to his apartment, and when he got the film, he planted the gun and put the body on the fire escape. It was safer that way. There was a 50-50 chance. The police had miss it the first time around, and he'd have a fair lead. It almost worked out for him except for that phone call. The microfilm? Well, it was in a capsule next to the roof of the guy's mouth. Yeah, so old it was new again. Well, Hellman have... asked only one question. In that fight, did I have anything to do with pushing him against the rail? I told him, sometimes those ferry boats roll as much as 45 degrees.
4: Be sure to join us next Sunday evening and every Sunday, same time, same station, for radio's newest show, Pat Novak for Hire. And don't forget, the store with the yellow front is the Gallon Cap Shoe Store. Gallon Cap Shoes are good shoes. There's something about them you'll like. Franklin Evans speaking, this is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.
10: American Broadcasting Company presents Pat Novak for Hire.
9: Sure, I'm Pat
3: Novak for Hire.
9: I got a couple of boats down on Pier 19 on the San Francisco waterfront. Sometimes I read them out, but I found out it's easy to keep my budget healthy by risking my health in other ways. So I work around doing odd jobs. You can take that any way you like. But the best you can say for it is that it beats big, and at least you don't always limp. If your luck's in, you can keep a half lap ahead of the bill collectors if you don't let it go to your head. I did once... I helped a guy who owned seven hotels convince a blonde in San Rafael that her memory wasn't that good after all. The payoff was too rich for my blood. I got the idea that with that kind of money, I could take over the gambling joints up around Lake Tahoe. It took them three days to show me I was wrong. I'd worked my way down from the gold-plated joints to a place called the Broken T, where they still recognized a dollar as currency. I was beginning to figure how long it'd take me to walk back to the bay when the help came along. He was a little guy with a pair of eyes I wouldn't trust with anything I wanted again. The kind of quiet, dark clothes that'd make it easy to get lost
13: in an alley. He knew me. Well, Novak, you're not doing so hot, are you? I eat. You want to make a quick buck? There must be a reason. Tell me that first. I'm hot. I shipped the wheels down for a flock of dough you call that trouble? Not yet. But I'd like to look ahead. How do I know these guys like it that I got all their money?
9: If it hurts you, give it back. They'll take it.
13: I got a better idea. I want to take it down to San Francisco.
9: Look, Crocker owns the Southern Pacific. If you've got an urge to travel, talk to him. If you've got a
13: proposition, spread it out. I'm driving down. It's a lonely road. I want you to go along as a bodyguard. If these
9: guys are out to hijack your role, two of us won't stop them more than one. They come in bunches when they want to.
13: Do you want the job, or are you going to talk me out of it?
9: All right, will with you for 200 bucks. You charge a lot for
13: a ride. You said it's risky, remember? Okay, here's 50. You get the rest in San Francisco. I see you outside in five minutes. My name's Brown. I'll be waiting in my car.
8: Brown,
9: huh?
13: Yeah, Brown. John Brown. Want to make something of it?
9: How can you? He was a quiet guy. We drove along for a couple of hours and you could have repeated all he said on one deep breath. I kept watching the cars along the road waiting for the Muscle Boys to show up, but nothing happened. Pretty soon I got the feeling that they weren't after him at all. I guess he'd seen too many movies. I finished off a pack of cigarettes as we got down out of the mountains and got him to stop at a roadside joint for reloads. He wouldn't leave the car, so I was all alone when a girl came up to me at the bar.
11: You going down to San Francisco?
9: Uh, something like that.
11: You got room for me.
9: How far are you going?
11: That depends on who I'm with.
9: You might be handy at that. The car's without a heater. I don't have the owners.
11: So you'll keep one hand on the wheel.
9: So you better ask the guy who does. He's sitting out in the car.
11: Why don't he come in?
9: Don't build him up so fast. I got a car, too.
8: Where'd you get it? Steal it?
9: You selling medical insurance, maybe? Why? You're going to need it if you keep elbowing into my face.
8: Speaking of elbows, what do you mean trying
9: to muscle into my
11: dame?
8: Uh, you two together?
9: Yeah. Why?
11: That's what I've been wondering. Why? So long, sucker. What do
8: you make of that?
9: I'd say you're out. You don't have to slide. You're to blame for this. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm going to make it rain.
8: I can start a storm right now.
9: Go right ahead. you got the wind.
11: Well, you...
8: You're cool nice stranger. What started
3: that?
9: Bad habits.
3: Yeah? Uh-huh.
9: Too many cigarettes. <laughs> I guess I didn't have to hit the guy, but I was all geed up over the ride. I had to take it out on somebody. Outside, the air was cold and clear. A river made soothing noises in the darkness. I figured it would be an easy night from then on in, but Brown was having the fidgets.
13: Come on, Novak. Let's get going.
9: Where's the dame? What dame? One came out here, a hitchhiker. Wanted a ride to town.
13: I didn't see any dame. Come on, let's go. Oh, that's queer. What's queer? Let's go, let's go. Well, suddenly
9: you're nervous. What's the matter?
13: When I need a doctor, Novak, I know where to find one.
9: <clears throat> yeah? But can you find one who shakes synchronize with yours? Otherwise he's going to have a tough time with your pulse. From there on into town, John Brown didn't say a word. When we came across the Bay Bridge, he stopped in the terminal and made a phone call. Then we drove up to his place, a big corner apartment house up near the Civic Center. He told me to wait in the car while he went in to put away the money. I sat and smoked cigarettes and watched the dawn begin to light up the long, empty streets. I must have been there half an hour before anything happened. Then it all began to happen at once, starting with Hellman. A homicide detective with a grudge against the world that he takes out on me. I hope I didn't keep you waiting, Novak. i yeah, what got you out of bed, Helman? Can't be insomnia. That takes conscience. You'd be the sort to know about that. Mind if I look the car over? Uh, why not? I didn't steal this one. I prefer a roadster. John Brown, huh? Now, well, there's a name. Where have I heard that before? That's a foreign name. Polish, I think. That's not where I heard it. It was broadcast in connection with a stolen car. Uh-huh. Try again. The keys, see? So maybe he was careless and left his keys in his car. Yeah, maybe I'm whimsical and changed my name to Brown. Go on, Helmut. You can't pin anything on me. No. Give me the keys. Yeah, what for? I'm looking in the trunk. We got a tip. Not on this crate. We just got in from Tahoe. Nobody knows we're here. Sure, sure. And if you aren't here, I guess there's nothing in the trunk either. All will What'd you find? Um, a body... A girl's body. I'm not intruding, am I? Not on me. You better get Brown. He's in the apartment there. Sure. But won't you be lonely? Look, Brown hired me to ride down from Tahoe with him. He cleaned up at the tables and wanted protection for his role. It's his car and his girl. Let's get him. All right, come on. Oh, Brown listed. Nervous. Upset. Maybe you need a rest. Framed. Sure, somebody else did it. Shame on them. Come on, Novak. The girl was a pickup, a hitchhiker. Why should he kill her? I got a better question for you. Where can I get a lawyer? I saw a purse with the body. Let's look it over. Don't tell me you didn't rob her, too. The purse didn't turn up much. Some keys, a little mad money, makeup stuff. A letter to Alice Stone with an address out in the Potrero district. The letter was no good, just a guy trying to patch up a split. By the hunch that Brown must have known Alice, that was the only way the killing made sense. I needed to get some dope on Brown. I needed to know about Alice. Hellman took Brown's address off the registration card, and I couldn't see whether that had helped me any. No one had seen us together all the way down from Tahoe. Even if Brown were picked up, he could swear he'd never seen me before. The car listed the stolen, he was a cinch to prove it. Yeah, I needed help bad. So I started looking for my old friend Jocko Madigan, an ex doctor turned boozer who had more connections around town than the water department. I ran him down in a trap on Ellis Street trying to hold back the recession in liquor sales.
7: Hello, Patsy, my boy. Join me. This is the first one today. Look, I'm in trouble, Jocko. You're in trouble. Think how I feel. Uh, what's the matter, sick? No, just worried. I was reading in the paper here that the good ship Clyde Harris went down off the New England coast l- uh, last night with 10,000 cases of scotch on board. Uh, there's some left. Listen, Jocko, I'm in a jam. When did that
9: become news? I was up at Tahoe and a guy hired me to drive him down here. He didn't know you. It turns out the car is stolen. There's a body in it. And the guy's disappeared. Well, I don't blame him. The body belonged to a girl named Alice Stone at this address.
7: Ten thousand cases of scotch. Can you imagine that? Oh.
9: And the way I figure it, the girl must have known the killer. I'm not very sure that John Brown, who claims his car was stolen, is innocent either. It's mighty strange that he left the car keys lying around. What would you want me to do? Get on the grapevine. Find out if this John Brown is tied up in the rackets. The same for Alice Stone. Find out if they ran around with each other. Whatever you can about him.
7: All right, Patsy, but you'll have to wait. I've got to catch up on my drinking first.
9: Can't you lay off this stuff for a little while?
7: Are you telling me how to live my life again? You who consort with murderers, car thieves, and women of dubious ways? Push the bottle over here.
9: Look, Jocko, see if you can put the finger on a neat little guy with a pair of con man's eyes. Black hair, toy mustache, and dresses like Dapper Dan. About 150 pounds.
7: I imagine you trying to tell me how to live. You who've got more bad habits than a dope fiend's convention. My guy goes for dark, expensive clothes. He doesn't talk much unless he has to. Yeah, when I drink, I get the hangover. All you have to do is breathe regularly and troubles all over town. You had any social conscience, you'd go somewhere and hang yourself. I can't understand how I tolerate having you around. Will you get a line on the guy for me? From the way you described him, it ought to be a lay down cinch. There's only about 10,000 men in town who'd fit that description. Will a hundred or so of them be enough? I want one. It's a long gamble. But try will you, Jocko? Imagine that with the ocean full of ships hauling guano, bones, cattle, oil, lumber, pineapples, sugar, old newspapers, and gunny sacks. The one boat that has to sink. Will you get me? on it? Oh, there's no hurry. It's only you at stake. So long, lover. <laughs>
9: I grabbed some breakfast, picked up a cab, and went out to the address of Alice Stone. It matched a wooden house that looked two years older in Utah that was trying to lie about it with a new plaster front and a fresh set of doorknobs. It looked like it had been built by an amateur who read the blueprints upside down. A dame answered the door. She was about tie-pin high to a six-footer, and she had red hair. The heavy, wavy kind that made you think she must be healthy. That wasn't hard to do anyway. The way she filled out her morning coat didn't leave much to worry about, except the seams. She could talk, too.
2: Mm-hmm. Neighborhood's improving.
9: You know Alice Stone?
2: Sure, she lives here. I might have known she'd see you first. Uh, who are you? My name's Skip Harper, and uh, Alice isn't home. What can you do with that?
9: How do you know I want to? Maybe I'm a salesman.
2: Well, look, mister, you aren't fooling anybody. You look about as much like a salesman as I do a decoy duck. Now, uh, what do you want with Alice? Or uh, do you have to be particular?
9: I can't use her. She's dead.
2: A salesman. With five o'clock shadow or ten. Do you say dead?
9: Yeah. They found her in a car downtown this morning.
2: You're a cop. Yeah,
9: you're wrong. Why should it worry you? What do you mean? Do you know who did it?
2: I don't know anything. I just don't like jams. Tell me how it happened.
9: We were coming down from Tahoe. She was in a roadside hamburger trap. She asked me for a ride, and I sent her out to talk to a guy who owns the car. The next time I saw her, she was tucked away in the trunk.
2: Why'd a guy kill her just like that?
9: That's what I'm after. Maybe he just didn't like James. There's probably a better reason.
2: You think maybe he knew her?
9: Yeah. That's where you can earn a gold star. Did you know anybody by the name of John Brown?
2: Describe him.
9: He was playing the wheel at the Broken Tee up near Tahoe. Smooth little guy, about two sizes over a jockey. Wax mustache, A pair of eyes you could use to freeze fish.
2: Mm, that, that one. All right, I know him.
9: Give me an introduction.
2: His name's Brown, all right. I didn't know his first name before. He's a small-time hustler around town. Used to take Alice out now and then. When he felt like tearing up a nightclub. Cops arrest him yet?
9: Hellman, a homicide dick, is knocking on his door about now. I don't expect him to be home.
2: No, he won't be. He has hideouts.
9: Name some of them.
2: Uh-uh. I'm afraid to.
9: He can't hurt you. He's too busy playing cops and robbers.
2: You don't know Brown.
9: I got to get to know him. Give.
2: I don't want to get mixed up in anything.
9: Neither do I, but I am. I need Brown.
2: Why don't you forget Brown?
9: I'd be bad manners.
2: What's wrong with bad manners? I know some that are fun.
9: Yeah, you would.
2: More fun than Brown will ever show you.
9: you keep. He won't.
2: Come here. Will this keep? You think?
9: You have a nice way of changing the subject. But still, where's Brown's hideout?
2: I won't tell you. He'll kill me.
9: that's a gamble. I'm on the spot, and that's a fact. Talk to me. I hate men. Never mind your hobby. Give me Brown.
11: I hate you, you big, ugly, muscle-bound. Brown. You're hurting me.
9: Make me stop. Tell me where Brown is.
11: All right.
2: There's a hideout, a little shack out near the beach. All right,
11: narrow it down. Let go, I'm telling you.
2: Well, I hope it's the last thing you hear. (laughs)
9: Skip's place out to the beach wasn't much of a drive I went up and over Twin Peaks Watching the city and the bay spread out beneath the road like a giant map The sun was working for the Chamber of Commerce that day And the whole region was Every backyard was full of clothes blowing in the wind As the highway neared the beach It began to turn up bunches of kids on their way to cash in on the weather John Brown's Hideaway was one of those old pioneer shacks Built out near the ocean in the old days By guys who wanted to get away from it all It was painted a weather-beaten brown, tilted a little on one side, and it looked like something that had been washed ashore in a bad storm a long while ago. I knocked on the door, but all that bought me was echoes, so I made a door out of one of the side windows. The inside of the place looked like something out of a hobo jungle. None of the furniture matched. The best piece in sight would have made a junk man sneer. There was a broken-down setup for poker and a tired double bed, and after that you were practically on your own. The kitchen didn't turn up anything but a flock of ants and some empty bottles. I began to get the feeling Brown must have had two hideouts or else he'd left town. It shows you how wrong you can be.
8: All right, hustler. Reach.
9: You walk soft.
8: Practice makes perfect. Turn around slowly. Mm -hmm. How come you're working without a gun? Uh, Who are you? This is my place, so you tell me.
9: My name's Novak. I'm looking for a guy named Brown.
8: Well, you're all right so far. I'm brown. Who tipped you off I'd be here? I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember. So let me guess. It was that punk Venanti. Never heard of him. Never mind the Rube routine. You got a hustler written all over you. What did Venanti send you here for? Does you think I know too much?
9: If I was sent to rub you, do you think I'd come without a gun? Start using your head.
8: I like the way it's working. Tell me more.
9: I can't tell you anything. You don't fit my blueprints.
8: Don't get smart with me, hustler. Venanti sent you.
9: Tell me what for. If you're brown, you don't need any new worries. You've got an armful already.
8: I'm feeling no pain.
9: The cops have your car down at the station. What for? They don't like them with dead bodies inside. Yeah, steady
8: now. Let's have
9: that again. A dame named Alice Stone was found stuffed in your trunk. You're hotter than four stoves. Laugh yourself out of that.
8: If you know so much, why aren't
9: you yelling copper? Don't worry. They're on their way. I'm trying to get the key to the killing. If this turns out
8: to be a frame... Look,
9: I saw the guy who did it, and I'm the only one who did. That's better than your guns, so treat me nice.
8: If you saw the murder, you can help me out.
9: Sure. What do I get for it, a merit badge?
8: Yeah, things are coming too fast. I, I got to do some checking.
9: You better spill what you know or else I'm allowed to forget mine.
8: You got a nice lever there, Hustler. If you can back up your talk. If the dame's dead.
9: Look who's bargaining.
8: Before I tell you anything, I need to check her out.
9: Just wait a while. The cops will tell you everything. I like to find out things for myself. You will. I got a good grapevine in the county jail. Now, do it the hard way. You forget I have the lever on you now.
8: Yeah. Remind me to get scared about that. Try some aspirins for
11: that
3: ending.
9: I woke up twice before I decided to make it stay that way. The house was so quiet I could hear someone play on the piano several houses away. It was a nice, clean sound, neat, and full of try. No wise guys in it figuring fancy double-crosses. No dead bodies. No policemen who argued with their knuckles instead of their heads. Probably some girl who thought a blackjack was a card game. I lay there listening to the music for a while, and I got up and brushed off my clothes. And there were three places I could find Brown. He wouldn't dare go to his home. He wouldn't return to the hideout. That left Skip's place. On the way over, I stopped at a drugstore and phoned Jocko to find out if he'd turned up anything. If he left out the hiccups, it went like this.
7: Hello, you reprobate renegade from all that's good and holy. Skip
9: the Overture. Did you check on those people I asked you about?
7: Sure, I found out about them. Old Dr. Madigan and his crystal ball. He knows all and he knows all and like that there.
9: Tighten it up and tell me some.
7: That girl, Alice Stone, you remember?
9: Uh, How can I forget?
7: She lived with a dame in the Potrero named Skip Harper. Nice people. The landlord served eviction notices every day except legal holidays.
9: So they liked a good time. Then what?
7: Then she owns a half-interest in a gambling joint around Lake Tahoe. It's not much of a place. They say the roulette wheels have so many magnets hung around them, the nails began to come out of the walls. Her partner runs the joint, and she shills the suckers in from down here. How
9: would you make it? The wheel's crooked.
7: I have my informants. I have a network of good drinking folk who get around and hear things all the time. You'd be surprised how careless a guy can get with talk when he's got his elbow in a barroom ashtray. Now, as I was saying... If the wheels
9: are fixed, how come Brown was able to shake the joint down for 50,000?
7: I don't know how he did it. Maybe he was wired, too. All I know is that they've got better control of the ball than Bob Feller ever had on his best day. It's easy to believe if you know Skip's partner.
9: Huh? Yeah? Introduce me. Name's Vinanti. What's that again? The partner's name's Vinanti.
7: He's wanted in eight states and Cuba.
9: Venanti. Uh, I'll remember the name. What'd you get on Brown?
7: John Brown? Oh, swell guy. Helped free the slaves. A friend of man. A tribute to the nation. I've heard
9: that song. Now let's talk about the local Brown.
7: Uh, small-time hustler. Petty, larceny stuff.
9: You didn't get any tie-ins with the Natty.
7: Oh, yeah. He was up at the gambling joint near Tahoe last night. Cleaned the place out. $50,000. That'd buy a lot of schnapps. It's
9: beginning to fit together.
7: No doubt your mighty intellect has found the key.
9: I can count up to ten if I don't wear mittens.
7: Sometimes 13, I'll bet. Well, who did what to whom?
9: Brown's got a partner working for him.
7: You don't say.
9: I'm going over and shake it out of Brown. He must know where the guy's
7: hiding. Well, don't go looking into too many auto trunks. Those things bite. So long, lover.
9: What Jocko told me began to give me some hope. The thing the picture needed was one more man, and a partner for Brown would round it out nicely. Yeah, Brown must have figured someone would try to hijack his role and hired a friend to bring it down to San Francisco. I didn't explain the killing. I didn't explain a lot of things. But it was the lead of the guy who could explain it. I needed Brown. As so I gunned the car over the hills towards Skip Harper's place, I began to feel better. I was thinking how Hellman would look when I dumped the killer in his lap. There was a crowd along the street in front of Skip's place. Just as I drew up, Hellman came out on the porch. As I got out of the car, one of the neighbors pointed to me. Novak, huh? They gave me a description, but I didn't think it was you. The guy they described sounded human. Your jokes stink, Hellman. Try imitating birds or juggling. The bird imitations are for you, Novak. You'll be singing to the DA any minute now. Come on in the house. Ah, it's Brown. Where's the dame? What did you do, kill her, too? Come off it, Hellman. You can't pin this on me. I don't have to. The neighbors did it for me. Why should I kill my alibi? Because he wasn't. What did you do with the dame, Lovac? Why don't you try thinking for a change? I do my poor best. For instance, I think you killed the dame in the car and then tried to saw it off in Brown. Then you caught Brown here this morning and killed him. What for? Or don't you care? For 50 grand, Brown won at the broken tea up at Lake Tahoe. The neighbors saw me come here. I must have seen Brown come here, too, after I'd left. Nobody saw Brown come. Why didn't you buy a witness, Novak? You can afford it. The dame's gone? We haven't looked under the rugs. How'd you get the dope on Brown and all that dough? Wave Tahoe, bright boy. You've heard about the telephone? Vaguely. Who'd you talk to? The police. And then a guy named Benanti. He says he remembers you following Brown out. And that the dame was with you, too. It's a lie. Sure, sure. But the 50,000 bucks is still missing. Brown wasn't with me. He was a little guy. It's the climate. He grew since you two dropped him here this morning. I need some pictures. Well... You drop Brown. The dame's going to drive you home. You proposition her on the way to help knock off Brown. She turns you down Got Not those it. kind of pictures. Are there any photographs around the house? Yeah, there's some in the bedroom. Why? Come on, let's look. Uh, the way she looked, she'd like cameras. Here's one on the beach. What's she wearing? That's a bathing suit. Uh. Here's the one. Towel look at this nightclub gown. How do they hold those things up? Thumbtacks. Mm. So that's Vanani. Look at the two of them posing in front of their sucker trap. So what? He's the guy who did it. Sure, over the phone. Did you phone him or he phoned you? He phoned. You want him? What for? I got you. He's here in the city hiding out at Brown's place at the beach. Here's the address. What kind of a windy is this, Novak? Pick him up, will you? He said he was at Tahoe, and he is in the city. It smashes his alibi. All right, but if you're trying any fancy work, Are you you going after him, or do we uh, waltz some more? How to hold you. I'll be around, you know that. What are you going to do? I got some cleaning up to do. There was only one place for Finanti to be. I headed the car out Potrero and down Bayshore Highway to the airport... I was betting everything on a hunch. Sometimes that's the way you have to play it. Sometimes hunches pay off. The plane I got was built for hurry. Skip still had her overnight bag in her hand when I walked in on them at the broken tee. But Nanny began to act nervous when he saw me. Yeah, but not Skip. I began to wonder if she'd ever known how it felt to be frightened. You'd never guess it from the way she talked.
2: Hello, Novak. Don't you have a shave?
9: I had a close one just now. Mm,
2: Doesn't show.
9: You don't know where to look. What do you want, Novak? I got it.
2: Don't be cryptic, baby.
13: It doesn't become you. No.
9: You don't act nervous. But you care about jail?
13: Nobody's going to jail, Novak. Except you, maybe. I'd be nervous if
9: I had explained all those dead bodies back
13: in Frisco.
2: We don't know anything about dead bodies. We've been up here for hours. Yeah?
13: Now. I had a hunch that'd be your alibi. That's no alibi, Novak. It's a fact. It won't gel, Bernardi. You're cooked.
2: Look, Novak. Brown deserved to die. He killed Alice, and before that, he fixed the wires on the wheel so he could break this place. He robbed us of $50,000. We had a right to get it back.
13: Is that what Venanti told you? That's the way it happened, Novak. There's $10,000 in it for you, if you can remember it that way, too.
2: Ten grand? Easy there, then. That
13: was a little double-talk, baby. He was trying to bribe me to dummy up on you.
2: Dummy up? I know what happened.
9: When you get through dreaming, try this for a bedtime story. Venanti hired Brown to pick up the winnings while he ran the table. Then with Brown dead, Venanti was going to fly back here in his private plane for the same alibi he's using now. Only he'd own the broken tea. You're lying.
2: Shut up, Ben. Tell me more, Novak.
9: The plan began to sour up when Alice tried to thumb a ride. Alice knew him, so he killed it. He still needed to kill Brown, but he figured then he could hang the double killings on me. That'd make it even better.
13: You're on the needle, Novak. The
9: only trouble was that Brown wasn't home. Ben had to chase him. When he finally found that Brown was at your place. I don't know what happened there, except that Benanti must have killed Brown before he had a chance to talk.
2: How was that? I'd gone to the store. So when
9: you come back, Brown's dead and Vanetti tells you he did it to recover the money.
2: Yeah. So you were gonna double-cross me, baby. He's
9: lying, I tell you. See if you can prove it to a jury.
2: I should have
13: known.
9: In case you get any fancy ideas about trying to lie out of it, I got a witness to feel the motor of your plane. It's still hot.
13: That ten grand offer still stands. Uh-uh. I need you to clear me. Yeah.
2: And I could use the sole ownership of this joint.
13: You wouldn't rat on me.
2: Oh, watch me, baby. I'll let you rot in jail. Novak, I'll
13: make it 25000
2: if you help me quiet this dame. You would, Ben. Start out by quieting this. <laughs>
9: lousy shots. They both lived. That is, the nanny lived until he got a bad case of asthma in the San Quentin gas chamber. Skip got off with a flock of scars and some good advice from the judge to stay away from questionable characters. But advice is free, and Skip was the kind who went after the dough, so uh, I see her now and then. She's gone honest, I think. Sometimes we toss dice and... uh, I've known her to lose.
10: Heard on tonight's program were Ben Morris as Novak, John Galbraith as Inspector Hellman, Jack Lewis as Jocko, and Mary Milford as Skip, with Henry Left, Jerry Walters, Kurt Martell, and Lucille Bliss. Special music by Otto Clare. Listen next week at this same time when over most of these stations, the American Broadcasting Company presents Pat Novak for Hire. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. The American Broadcasting Company presents... Pat Novak, for Hire.
9: Sure, I'm Pat Novak, for Hire. with a sign out in front of my office says, Pat Novak for hire. It's about the only way to make a living down on the waterfront in San Francisco because if you ever tried to practice the Ten Commandments down here, they'd steal nine of them and frame you with the other. So I rent boats and do whatever else comes in handy to make a buck change pockets. Sometimes the hustle pays off. Sometimes you get lunch instead. Last week it was neither of these. I hung around my place at Pier 19 day after day and nothing turned up at all. Just when I began to wonder if people had forgotten how to phone, a babe gives me a jingle. She sounds nervous and talks about trouble, asking me to come up and hold her hand. I end up at a joint on the marina slide of Webster Street. It was probably important stuff once in the way of gold plated living. Now it's just a tired wooden boarding house with about 30 people filling up space designed for a dozen. The paint was peeling off the walls. The garden had been on its own so long it was beginning to look like a jungle. When I rang the doorbell, I'd give it even odds a zombie would open it. I was nearly right at that. It was Hellman, a detective from City Homicide with a disposition made up of equal parts of hating people and confusion. Right then, though, he wasn't himself. His fat face was wrapped in smiles. He looked like a cat who'd learned to open the icebox. Sorry, Novak, we don't want any fish today. You're being glad. Somebody must have broken their neck. You're wrong. Again, and as usual. Somebody had some sort of bad luck. As bad as you can get. Dead, huh? You're too late this time, Novak. The killer's already in the bag. And you got the drawstring. I'm not complaining. Now scamper off somewhere and find another sucker. Put the brush away, Hellman. You got the killer. It's even money. It turns out to be four other people. I don't know. The department managed before you dragged into town. We stumbled, but we got by. You can say that about a wine bomb. I can make it fit you. Stumble on out of here, Novak. Yeah, yeah. The first, who done it? The landlady. She evicted a guy named Burke, the hardware He didn't live here. He rented a room for some kind of an office. He was a freelance bookkeeper. She said he made too much noise working his machines at night. Did she confess? It's open and shut, Novak. No room for your chisel. Well, if she confessed, maybe you can pin it on her. What do you mean, pin it on her? The way you work, you couldn't prove Warren's governor. That's not my department, but keep on being smart and see if I can prove you'll fit in one of ourselves down in Kearney Street. Don't strain your head, Hellman. I don't want any part of anything you're near, including this place. I'll buy that, too, and I'll breeze out of here. When the press shows up, don't worry about giving him your best profile. Either way, you'll look like a sack of potatoes.
11: (laughs) Either way, you'll look like a sack of potatoes. Gee, that's good, Novak.
9: Before you tell Hellman that, you better go somewhere and grow a little.
11: Look, Novak, how'd you like a tip on a horse? I got a hot one in the fifth of Del Mar tomorrow.
9: I got a tip for you. Get out of my hair before I have to comb you out.
11: She knows that. That's no way to talk. I could be your friend.
9: The guy was small, even for a midget. Since the rooming house was so full of interesting people, I decided I didn't want to go away after all. So I went back up the steps. It was just going to try my luck when the door opens from inside. The guy with the welcome is either middle-aged or he's done a lot of careful living. His face is as smooth and as neat as a barrel full of apples. You notice it because he acts like he forgot his face when he went into his acts. The rest of them is as mysterious as an attic in a B-horror picture. I didn't need any puzzles right then, so I started to brush them off. Especially when I noticed the suit. It was so ragged it looked like he was made up to put the bum on the town. But then I decided to play it for the last...
14: How would you like to make some heavy money in a
9: hurry? I quit buying oil wells.
14: I'm not fooling, would you? Who are you? Name is Jack Lanson. I'm Burke's assistant, who used to be.
9: Yeah. He looks like quick, easy money for an undertaker. For you, too. Sure. Why not? And how?
14: Burke has some papers in his home safe that I don't want poured over by any flatfoot snooper. They're my papers. Burke just kept them there for me. I want you to get them.
9: I don't see any splints on your legs.
14: I can walk, but I can't leave. Hellman's going to question all the tenants. So what do I do? Go to this address. It's on Knob Hill. Here are the keys. It's a wall safe, not a combination. Just two locks you have to open at the same time. The papers are in a sealed envelope marked Lansom Private. Get it
9: and bring it here. I don't know. When a guy dies, the feds move in. They'll want to list his stuff for taxes.
14: These aren't financial papers. They're just some private letters and things. I don't
9: like flirting with the FBI. How would you like to flirt with 1,000 bucks? If the stuff's worth that much, it must be hot.
14: I need those papers. Do you get them for me, or do I phone somebody else?
9: I could change my mind.
14: Here's $100. There's 900 more when the stuff's in my hands.
9: You had me fooled there. You don't dress to fit this kind of dough.
14: So I saved my money. Are you going or not?
9: Give me the keys. Lots of luck, Novak.
11: Hey, hey, Novak, wait a minute. About that horse, Go Thank
9: get you. a glass of water and drown yourself. <laughs> It looked like a cinch. I flagged the cab up to the place on Knob Hill. It turned out to be one of those society page joints, all glass, brick, and snobbish doorman. Getting up to Burke's floor was as easy as walking up six flights of back stairs. The hall was empty and the key fitted. It was all so easy I began to get nervous. And you would, too, if you walked in on her that way. She was a toy-sized brunette with a perfect kind of face that could mean anything from nice people to quick death. She was smooth and beautiful. That you could say that about a whirlpool. If my breaking in bothered her, you'd never guess it from looking.
2: Ah, oh, hello. Toss your hat on a chair.
9: I've been working the wrong districts.
2: I'm glad you're here.
9: Why, for instance?
2: Hmm, girl gets lonely in a place like this. A uh, Berkey's out, and I don't know when he'll get back.
9: You forgot something there.
2: Folks call me Blanche. What's your name, friend?
9: Pat Novak. Uh, you go with the lease?
2: I'm uh, in and out. Berkey doesn't like me to tell it, though, but everybody knows it, so uh, what kind of secret's that?
9: Didn't I surprise you when I walked in like that?
2: mm Berkey has a lot of friends. They come and go. I'm used to it.
9: For a bookkeeper, Berkey does all right.
2: He's uh good at figures, don't you think?
9: If he had my account, I'd be nervous. Mm,
2: don't you know? He just came into a lot of money.
9: I'll bet there's a comfort to his client.
2: Oh, to me, too. Have a cigarette. There's some in the box there on the coffee table. Mm.
9: These are cigars.
2: Oh, Oh, yeah, well, uh, I have some in my purse.
9: Never mind. I'll settle for a drink.
2: Okay. Well, I'll be. What do you got? Mm, That's kind of hard to say offhand. Uh, Let's look in the kitchen and see. Mm Hmm, Mm, it ought to be up here.
9: But it isn't. I knew a girl that way once.
2: (laughs) Turkey must have moved the bottles. Uh, Look around. Uh, Try those cabinets.
11: Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll get there.
9: Hey, wait a minute. Take it easy.
11: What's the matter? Jumpy? Good evening, Miss. Is Mr. Novak in?
9: Yeah, I'm in. You and your horse are both out.
11: But Mr. Novak, it's a good horse.
2: You always come and cry. Now, that's
9: Pinky. He's been on my tail all night. Aren't you curious about why I'm here? Mm-mm.
2: You must be a friend of Burke's.
9: Would it matter? What do you mean? When you get tired of playing with those doors, let's admit you don't know where Burke keeps his goods. I... You don't know where he keeps his cigarettes. You don't know anything about the place because this is the first time you've been here.
2: You're acting like a detective.
9: Put it down, I'm just curious. And you can still fill in my question.
2: Why not say I, uh, wandered into the wrong apartment?
9: You don't seem anxious to get out.
2: Maybe I like the company here. Come on in the living room. He probably has the liquor in there.
9: That isn't what you were after.
2: Why don't we settle for my being lonely?
9: The town's full of lonely babes. None of them look like you.
2: I know a cure, Do you?
9: Let me guess.
2: I guess when you can be sure. Like this.
9: Now I know. Fill me in on the rest of your
2: visit. I'm busy. Or uh, I could be.
9: All right, let's close the post office. Did you get the papers?
2: I could soak. Men don't usually treat me that way.
9: They'd live longer if they did. Look, baby. I'm not swinging any bats until I know who's pitching. Do you give with where you fit in, or do I have to bend it out of you?
2: <laughs> you know, I think I get like you. A dame gets tired of I men she can twist around her fingers. Yeah,
9: man. sure. I'm fascinating. Give.
2: Don't flex your muscles. I'll tell you. Denver Red sent me.
9: You're sure it wasn't Pittsburgh Pete or Chicago Clark? Uh-uh.
2: He's real. You're not too particular about what you call a man. He owns a nightclub called The Knife and Fork out on Geary Street.
9: Mm-hmm. Then what?
2: He sent me to get some papers Burke has hidden around the place. A small envelope. Did you find it? Sure. Here it is. You want it?
9: You give up easy.
2: I don't have to do this sort of thing to get along. I told Red that.
9: What else are you going to tell him?
2: I'll tell him you took the papers away from me. Unless you got a better idea.
9: Put on your flap, sister.
2: What if I didn't go back to him? What if I went with you?
9: Uh-uh. I don't like your recommendations.
2: Don't worry. I won't pretend I wouldn't drop you as soon as I found a better man. What do you want? Eternity?
9: I haven't got time for that.
2: All right, sucker. So, I'll go back to Rhett. He tears telephone books in half and things like that, so, uh, watch him.
9: I'll try to manage
2: Ah, here's the booze. Let's drink to something or other. Why not? Yeah, sure you won't change your mind. About anything?
9: Why don't you leave me your phone
3: number?
2: I had a
9: better idea. Sucker. She timed it, but nice. I hardly started to get my hand up before she hit me with a bottle. The room began to spin and I tried to stand up, but my knees gave way. I could hear her footsteps a long distance away running. and the door closed. I shook my head, and some of the cobwebs went away, but not enough for me to get started. By the time they did, I knew it was too late. I looked around, and the package of papers was gone. Yeah, the more I thought of how easily I'd been done in by that dame, the matter I got. Then I remembered no one was supposed to know about the papers except Lanson. Decided I'd better check on the play. I got on the phone and talked my way through a flock of bars until I ran down an alcoholic friend of mine named Jocko Madigan. He's an old-timer around San Francisco who knows more about the town than the city planning commission. He sounded good over the phone, which must have meant they were watering his drinks.
7: Patsy, my boy, how are you?
9: Curious. I'm sitting in on a racket that's beginning to develop too many curves.
7: You sound like you're in a Girl Scout camp. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, you nasty, immoral...
9: Put down the horn for a minute. I want you to do me a favor.
7: If I had a daughter and you were even in the neighborhood, I'd lock her in the cellar. I can't imagine what those Boy Scout leaders are thinking about.
9: They were Girl Scouts a minute ago.
7: What did they do, pull a switch? Anyway, Boy Scouts don't camp. They hike.
9: Look, I just got sat by a dame who stole some papers. Yeah, they,
7: uh, up Mount Tam- Tamalpais, they hike. That's her name's Blanche.
9: It. She's tied in with a guy named Denver Wren. He runs the Knife and Fork Club out on Geary. Oh,
7: those poor kids. And that mountain's almost straight up, too. She just
9: left here. She ought to be heading for Denver Red's place.
7: What are the papers? I know you don't own them. You you can't read.
9: They have some stuff in them that'll put the heat on a guy named Jack Lansom. He likes it cool. A thousand dollars worth.
7: Oh, uh, speaking of money, there's a friend of yours here.
11: Hello, Patsy. This is Pinky. Imagine me talking to you on the telephone.
9: Imagine I've gone deaf. Hey, Jocko, if you can hear this, pull that punk off the line.
7: Okay, he's gone. He said he had a horse for you.
9: Look, dummy up to that guy. He's been floating around all night.
7: And I'd be floating, too, if you'd be nice to him.
9: I'll grab a cab and go out to the Knife and Fork Club. Blanche shows up, see if he can find out what she does with the papers.
7: Are you buying the drinks and the cab fare?
9: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
7: What are you going to do?
9: I'm going back and see Lassam. This was supposed to be a closed deal. And will you hurry? The dame will be there and gone.
7: Don't worry about me. You couldn't keep me away from the place. I'm growing wings.
9: Yeah? Why the sudden lather?
7: Well, if you're buying the drinks, there's no use my scrimping. I'm suddenly developing an awful longing for some good, well-aged scotch. So long, lover. <laughs>
9: I ducked out of the place and started along the street looking for a cab. It was growing foggy and I couldn't see very well. In fact, I could see so little I didn't notice the car driver. I could hear the driver all right. All right,
8: Bob, inside the car.
9: Hey, you must not like arguments.
8: Don't think it won't shoot either. Get in. <laughs> You're a Patsy Novak, ain't you?
9: You can say Patsy twice
8: Don't suck, I'm doing you a favor yeah,
9: thanks for the ride
8: I'm Reynolds, Gong Reynolds, ever hear of me? Yeah, you sell pipe dreams If you know that much, you know that shoveling the snow ain't no job for a preacher So you're tough, then what? Then you give me Burke's little envelope What is this, a mass meeting? you pass it over or do we have to go out in the country and get it twisted out of you?
9: You're wrong twice, I haven't got it You must think I'm foolish Someone beat me to it who, Murphy? Murphy.
8: Yeah, the bookie. Did he get it?
9: A dame. She said she was working for Denver Red.
8: Out of the Knife and Fork? Well, that sounds all right.
9: Hey, what's up? A... Oh, you don't know. Uh-uh. I was hired to pick it up.
8: Yeah, sure.
9: Yeah, I believe that. Take it or leave it, but let me out of here. Don't get nervous. Wait till we
8: hit a quiet street.
9: I'm broad-minded. Let me off anywhere.
8: I said a quiet street. Before you go, I'm going to search you. How do I know you
9: ain't lying? I'm beginning to wonder myself. Reynolds was a nice guy for an opium peddler. No bumps, no scars. He even dropped me near a car line. Pretty soon I began to breathe regularly again and headed back to the place on Webster Street. The house was dark except for a light in one of the upstairs windows. Just as I was leaning on the bell, I hear someone coming up the steps behind me.
11: I wish you'd stay put, Mr. Novak. Now, about that horse. He's a beautiful animal. Affectionate.
9: Look, I'm tired of this shadow act. What's your pitch?
11: Straight over the plate, Novak. I'm doing you a favor. Huh? Someday I may need one from you. I'm far-sighted. Well,
9: I'm near-sighted. Come hey, Light up and be somebody. What's your ragged?
11: Put, put me down, Novak. I, I got connections. You, you you can't scare me. Yeah,
9: I can try. Going in for kidnapping
14: midgets, Novak. Put him down and come on in. I don't want to draw a crowd. Make
9: this the last time I see you, Pinky, or I'll fix it so you wish you had. Who was that? I don't know. I'm beginning to get curious. Forget it. You get the envelope. No. That don't sound so cheerful. Why not? Somebody changed my mind. Too much competition. Keep it understandable. What do you mean? Every tough monkey in town is after those papers, and Denver Red has the inside track. Who else?
14: Tell me about the others.
9: Why didn't you tell me? I didn't know about them. Uh, I know how you feel. I didn't know a lot of things either, but I'm beginning to learn. Start talking. Burke used to keep books for a lot of guys around town.
14: That's where he really got his money, covering up the racket profits from the revenue boys. Don't stop there. That's all I know. It's not enough. All right, all right. I don't know, but I can guess. Burke must have photostats of some of the records and use them to blackmail the gangsters.
9: So it's a free-for-all with me in the middle. I didn't know about it. Honest, I didn't. You didn't know, but I get slapped, sapped, and held up. Good for me. You say Denver Red got the papers? He can have them. I'm bowing out. Your hundred dollars is nothing,
14: don't you see? Get the papers and we'll both be rich. Richer than anyone in town. No dice. You want them, you get them. I'll give you... I'll give you
9: $5,000. How much down?
14: Here's the rest of the thousand I promised you. Is that fair? Fair enough. We're going to be rich, you hear? Rich.
9: Yeah. The richest men in the cemetery. (laughs) Lanson must have thought I was the biggest sucker in the city. I was through with the papers as soon as I discovered how hot they were. I could have told him, but when I saw how anxious he was, I figured I might as well use his shakes to get the rest of the thousand dollars. I headed out to the Knife and Fork, but my only plan was to get Jocko off the hook. After that, I wanted a lot of time in the country until things cooled off. The joint was out near Golden Gate Park, one of those community center places where you get everything that'll go in a stomach, including bicarbonate. The brunette doll was nowhere in sight, but I saw Jocko over at the bar wrestling with a double-sized highball, eased over beside him.
7: Well, if it isn't the Boy Scout, Patsy Novak... <laughs> that stuff's beginning to eat into your head, Jocko. Don't you worry. My lobes are functioning smooth as ice in a glass. What can I do for you uh, after you pay the bill?
9: Did the dame show up here?
7: Yeah, about a half hour ago. What kept you? She's pretty. Uh,
9: so's a tiger. Where is he?
7: She and your friend Denver Red went upstairs. He has an apartment up there. Now, that's the way to live. If he bored a hole in the floor and ran a pipe down to the bar... Did you either... see the papers? No, and do you know a guy named Reynolds, Gong Reynolds? We've met. He was in here. He looked around and ducked out. Did he go upstairs? I don't know. You're running in big company. Reynolds and Denver Red are two of the most powerful gangsters in town. If they've got anything to do with this, you better cash in your chips and get out of the game. Yeah, don't worry.
9: I'm all washed up with
7: this. I heard something else, too. This guy, Lanson, is no country boy, either.
9: Measure him for me.
7: The Grapevine has it. He used to be a member of Murder Incorporated, the Brooklyn outfit. He got out before they grew into big-time operators. Uh, Three of a kind. What do you know about Murphy? Don't tell me Murphy's in on this. Murphy's got the horse wires sewed up. He sewed it up with bullets. Let's get out of here. Yeah, I will in a minute. How do you get to Denver Red Shack? The entrance is outside, but what do you care? Let's get out of here. In a minute. Patsy, they're hotter than summer in Panama. Leave him alone. I'd kind of like to see that envelope. Try the post office. It's full of envelopes. Yeah, not this one. You coming with me? No, Patsy. If you've lost your mind, you've lost it alone.
9: I'm beginning to wonder
7: about that. Well, so long, lover.
9: I worked out of the place without causing any fuss. Eased into the apartment entrance. The place was quiet. It was so quiet you could hear me breathing as I worked my way up the stairs. There was a carpet in the halls, but even then I was careful. I listened at the door, and there wasn't a sound inside. After a while, I tried to knob. The door opened. With a fog outside, you could barely make out anything in the place. Something told me to back out and forget it. There was something I wanted to know. I held my breath and listened. All I could hear was the jukebox faintly from the cafe below. And I fell for the light switch.
10: Don't move. You're covered.
9: What are you waiting for, in The payoff? You, baby. Keep your hands up. Where's the gun? I ate it. I guess it wasn't much good at that. You didn't have any bullets left. You counted them? I counted the bullets in the body. Six bullets. One load. Who got it? Or do I have to guess? Denver Redden is Dame. Name's Blanche. Know her? Yeah, I know her. She used to roll stroke ore in my lifeboat. She looks the type. You want to tell me about it, or do we go downtown first? I didn't kill him, Helen. Who made those holes in them, termites? If they did, you better keep your hat on. They might get hungry again. You got all the brains, Novak. You better shake them up. You're going to need them. You ought to get a refund on that crystal ball, Helen. That's not a bad idea. Or maybe I can swap it for a television set. I'd like to see you on those San Quentin broadcasts. You saw me come in, you fathead. You can't pin this one on me. It's pinned, Novak, but good. In fact, it's a hat pin. Try making sense. Try making this not fit your head. This is my hat. Now all you've got to do is get rid of the five people who saw you wearing it earlier this evening at the boarding house. And you're clear. We were halfway down to the Hall of Justice before I could talk Hellman into giving me another chance. Murphy was really the one who sensed it. I picked him up by phone at one of his bookie joints with Hellman listening in on an extension. Yeah, it was short and sweet.
14: Novak? Yeah, I've heard the name. What's in you?
9: This may not be my business, but I got a good reason for wanting to know. Spread
14: it out, Novak. I got work to do.
9: Did you get a phone call tonight about an envelope with some photostatic copies of a bunch of records?
14: What's it to you, Novak? Uh, you did then. Yeah, some nut, I guess. Didn't give his name. Town's full of him these days.
9: He wouldn't be a nut if Burke had something on you.
14: Hey, what is this? Burke's got nothing on me. I pay my taxes. What is this, Novak? Some new form of shakedown?
9: Yeah, Murphy. But you're not up the tree. Thanks a lot. Hey, it could fit. Do I get a chance to prove it? I can't let you go, Novak. But what if I should bend over for a minute to pick up this pencil and the door open and all? Try it and see, Helmer. Just
3: once. <laughs>
9: After that, I began to figure my bad luck had run out for the day. I jumped a cab and went down to the waterfront, but not to my pier. There was a guy at Pier 23 who was a friend of mine. He had a gun and a rowboat, and I borrowed both of them. I pushed off without being too careful, because between the wind and the cross chop, nobody was going to be hearing anything. Even with everything on my side, it was a long, hard row. When I hit the bottom of the ladder at the end of Pier 19, I had to sit in the boat to let my heart slow down. It was blacker than the inside of Hellman's dress shoes. I took my time edging down the pier. I was just about to slide into my boathouse when I tripped the booby trap. I did a Brody and somewhere along the line I lost my gun, which put me even up with Lawson. He turned on the lights.
14: Now, Vic, you have to sneak up in your own office? You ought to pay the rent regularly. I see the gags.
9: You fix up this welcome?
14: I was all alone and didn't like the idea of being caught from behind.
9: What would you do about a frontal attack? I've got this
14: gun. But since it's only you, I don't have to worry.
9: I wouldn't say that. I think you've got all kinds of worries. Everybody has got something. And you've got Reynolds. Where is he? Take it easy. I just saw him earlier tonight and he mentioned your name. Let's keep that for the society column. I'll take the envelope. I didn't get it for the simple reason that there isn't any envelope. That
14: fall on the head make it soft? You told me you saw it.
9: Nothing important. Just some regular business letters. Nothing to stand up in court.
14: I still don't understand this. You don't make sense. And I don't make
9: dough either. I don't have the envelope. Where do you want to search me?
14: I'm not getting that close to you. You're going off on some tangent that I don't understand.
9: So we'll just
14: sit and wait till you get ready.
9: Or until Reynolds gets here.
14: That's supposed to scare me?
9: Look at it this way. You don't mind if I talk?
14: I can listen. Now you sit there. With your back to the door... That's right. Now, I'll just warm the place up by closing the door. Now, you were saying?
9: Suppose that the envelope was a phony. After I am on my way, you call up all the big-time hoods in town and tip them off. Now, tell me why. The boys start pouring out of the woodwork to give me the business. The ones who chase me are the boys on Burke's list. Then you can pick up where he left off. I'm not boring you, am I?
14: Not at all.
9: Go on. Everything was as cozy as an upper berth until Denver Red gets his girl into Burke's place before I make it.
14: You're everything but consistent. Now you'll be trying to tag me with the stiffs down at the knife and fork. Thanks for the cue.
9: You knew that if Denver Red spotted the envelope for a phony, the news would be all over town and your racket would be kaput, so you killed him. Nice figuring. You should have been a bookkeeper, too. You even told me to come down here so you could kill me if that planted hat didn't frame for the cops.
14: I hate to disappoint you. So, since you know everything else... You might as well know the caliber of this gun. See?
9: I've looked into things like that before.
14: Everything has to end sometimes, so...
9: Don't touch that phone. I ordered that call, just in case. I said don't touch it. You'll be hearing worse bells than that if you don't let me answer it. Okay,
14: but watch your language.
9: Novak speaking.
11: For a minute, I thought you was out. You're the hottest man to get hold of. But I guess it's because you're a busy guy.
9: Well, say something. That's right, Reynolds.
11: Huh? This is Pinky, Mr. Novak, remember? Pinky Punk. What a name.
9: That's up to you, Reynolds. What's he saying? You want to talk to him?
11: You still there, Mr. Novak? And Mr. Novak. Give me that
14: phone. Now look, Reynolds, I'm not taking any talk off you. You pay up or else
11: You dropped something, Mr. Novak?
9: Yeah. How about that horse? You
11: want to get out of him?
9: I think I can toss a sawbuck into his feed bag.
11: Oh, gee, Mr. Novak, you'll never look where.
9: Okay, Peggy. Who's the goat? Peggy, I said, what's his name?
11: Gee, Mr. Novak. <laughs> what do you know? I forgot. <laughs>
9: I think he might have forgotten, but Lansom's memory was good. I handcuffed him to the chair and told him Reynolds would be down in a half an hour. Then gave him Hellman's phone number. He confessed to everything after sitting alone in my office for a while. I know how he felt. When the feds got the news, they moved in with a fine tooth comb, but they never did turn up anything. Nobody ever did. I'm pretty sure of that. But now and then I get the idea maybe I'm wrong. So I start nosing around for those papers. I never find the things. I usually find Reynolds instead. He's beginning to get gray. Who killed the bookkeeper? That was the landlady. Yeah, Hellman got her a room, too. <laughs>
10: Heard on tonight's presentation were Ben Morris as Novak, John Galbraith as Inspector Hellman, Jack Lewis as Jocko, and Mary Milford as Blanche, with Herb Ellis, Jerry Zinneman, Kurt Martel, and Dick Ellers. Special music by Otto Clare. Listen again next week at this same time when over most of these stations, the American Broadcasting Company presents Pat Novak for Hire. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.